The uh, mouse actually set up residence then because Jen went through, before we even had the doors on, she went out to go and there's a little landing and then our garage floor is lower. And her and a mouse met each other eye to eye. Both of them let out a screech. And the mouse took a flying leap off. And so we weren't sure if the mouse survived it or not. But, uh, well, not eye to eye. But they were looking at it. Apparently they saw each other. <laughs> You're messing up my story. <laughs> so anyway, um, the mouse reappeared this last week. Um, we have a rule at our house. Our kids aren't allowed to take food or anything that you would eat to their rooms. And uh, apparently um, some of them uh, found a good hiding place for some candy in their closets. And I don't know how the mouse smelled it from all the way in there, but I was, we got in late one night. Can't remember what was going on the day. I'm just ready to crash. And all of a sudden I heard foot stomps everywhere. I mean, everybody was scattering and screaming. And when there, apparently the mouse had appeared. And so I, I got to thinking about the funny perspective from that mouse. Can you imagine like you're just trying to scout out some food and then all of a sudden people are like these huge giants are all stomping well i've got a, a video to introduce our sermon this morning such a feeling's coming over me there is wonder in most everything i see not a cloud in the sky got the sun won't be surprised if it's a dream I'm on the top of the world This is the end Beautiful friend This is the end My only friend The end of our idea the mighty mouse anybody remember that cartoon watch it when you're younger some of the younger ones are like i have no idea who that is but you think about the writers for that that cartoon it's kind of an interesting play you know because the mouse is the one that's always the one getting squashed or something but a mighty mouse a mouse that could take on and be a superhero and that's that's a great ending on that first video it's a great ending what seemed to be a very sad video I debated whether to play there or not with us having food this afternoon, wondering if that would spoil anybody's appetite. You know, the thing looked pitiful. His little legs dangling off the trap and his labored breathing. And uh, just really when you heard that snap and the screen went dark, you thought, that, that's it. Um, but the sad thing is, is many of us are, are that mouse, or at least have been that mouse. We, we can identify with a feeling like we're just this small creature in a big, scary world especially with the things that are going on with ISIS and those things, that there's more fear now in the average home than probably ever before in history. 
you could go back to the depression and say, well, I don't know if it can compare for that. But, you know, it's one thing to worry about starving to death. It's another thing to worry about whether you're going to be in, imprisoned and killed uh, simply for the way you believe. This is a big, scary world these days for those who are alone, going day to day, trying to survive. And this morning, I want us to leave here not at that mouse caught in the trap with the labored breathing and, and the screen going dark, but for us to, to be like the mighty mouse who uh, takes what, was the, what seemed to be a trap and used it for a bench press to strengthen us. Amen? A mouse that doesn't let that weight of that trap crush him, or, but it uses it to make him stronger. And today I want us to learn that because of Jesus, we have the power over sin, oppression, and sickness. Through Jesus, there is power to save us. There is power to deliver us and to heal us. And the awesome thing is, is no, it's not a pyramid, pyramid scheme, but you know, each individual, even though we talk about that, a person encounters Jesus personally as their Savior, but he uses God's people. It's a perpetual thing. As one is saved, then they share the gospel and, and the opportunity is there for us, another to be saved. It was disciples also that were, that were going and praying over people and they were being delivered and healed. You won't need to necessarily turn to these first two scriptures or just an in, uh, introduction into the rest of the message. We'll have a few more scriptures we'll look closely at. But Isaiah 53, 5 says, But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought, that brought us peace. And with his stripes we are healed. And then Psalms 103, 2 through 4 says, Bless, bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy. Let's pray. Jesus, I just thank you, Lord, for your word. Lord, for the opportunity for us to come together and be strengthened together by it. And Lord, I pray that if there's anyone here today that, that has fear, Lord, over, over oppression or sickness, Lord, that God, today they would, they would find hope They'd find the power, Lord. They'd, they'd f find that you are mighty, Lord, mighty to save, mighty to deliver, and mighty to heal. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. There's no greater, greater need for salvation than there is today. And many are trying to find it in a new government. And let me tell you something. It doesn't matter who we get elected the, the next round. They are not going to be the answer for everybody's needs. There's no elected official that is going to be the answer for everyone's needs. Every person who breathes the breath of life on this planet, besides Jesus himself, have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And we can count on the fact that people will let us down. Even those sometimes who, who are um, there to lead us will, will sometimes let us down. There are many who are trying to seek a false salvation by, uh, by masking their problems with unhealthy relationships or, or um, things that they shouldn't see or shouldn't do, those, those things that uh, entrap them. But there, but there is only one power to save us, and it's in Jesus. Romans chapter 1, verse 16. We'll read from the English Standard Version. It says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. The word power, the, the reason that that is important, that we focus, focus on that is much of the world's problem with religion or Christianity today is because they, have, they don't see power in it. We've got churches who are not seeking the power of God, who are not living 
and letting the power of God work through their lives. And so when people see that powerless uh, life, they don't see the purpose in it. They aren't connecting with the true Jesus who has power to save. The gospel is the one and only message that has tremendous power. It's a message that came from God and is centered on His Son, Jesus Christ. As God's chosen people, we need to realize and explore the power that, it, that this gospel contains. You won't find other religions where there's a lot of testimonies about that religion brought our marriage back together. That religion, uh, that religion healed me from sickness. That religion uh, put my life back together. But thousands of years we've heard through the power of the gospel that people's lives have been changed. Their marriages have been mended. They've been healed physically. Their lives have turned around from destruction in a positive direction. It's a message that came from God and it's centered on His Son, Jesus Christ. And as God's chosen people, we need to realize and explore the power that, is, that this gospel contains. Man has made great strides. And, it, and it's actually been to his detriment that sometimes we take too much pride in our own efforts. The space program, medicine, all these things, we, we feel like we've gotten smart enough to be able to fix every problem or we're at least on the path to it. But could you tell me, when you say today, that today there is evidence that we've gone backwards? I mean, we want to talk about the great strides in, in space and those type of things, but look at where the economy's at. Where is the space program now? Where are, where are those great efforts when, when we can't control everything at once because there is not enough power in any one effort to, to take care of everyone's needs? Our quest for knowledge, our our need for healing, our need for good counsel and for a healthy life. But man has made great strides, but the gospel is the power of God to bring salvation to all mankind. This is salvation from everything that is made to harm us, that is meant to pull us away from God. And right now there is a movement to take influence and power away from Christianity. Many times that movement is successful for one reason only, and I mentioned it before, it's the lack of power seen in the life of the Christian. I made a comment this week to, to someone uh, on Facebook uh, and hopefully being helpful and had another Christian say, uh, I'm not sure that that's correct. And, that, and I look back and, and, the, and on these, some of these posts, there's Christians debating back and forth, back and forth, back and forth on topics where they're almost slinging mud at each other while the unbelievers are watching and wondering, why would I want that? There's another way that salvation makes us mighty, and it's the power it brings for serenity. That's a word you won't uh, see spoken much now. There's not much serenity. It seems like everything's turmoil. Philippians 4, 7 says, And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Jesus Christ. All of man's amazing scientific achievements have failed to bring peace. There's more strife, there's more conflicts, there are more wars than ever before. The only source of real and lasting peace today is found in the power of the gospel. There's no one can explain why a Christian can go before, uh, before their own death, being beheaded, and yet have a, a look of peace on their face as they go to their death. That's what caught the media attention when Christians were being beheaded. Is they, they couldn't understand how could that person go so peaceably. 
The reason is, is because they knew that, that, was, that there was no power in death. That God's word already said that there was no power in death. That Jesus had conquered death, hell, and the grave. And when we accept Jesus Christ as our Savior and our Lord of our life, we may claim the promise, the peace of God shall keep our hearts and minds through Jesus Christ. We may claim it, but do we really live it out? Is it shown in our daily walk? The second way salvation makes us mighty is the power it brings for security. 1 Peter 1, 4 and 5 says, to an, inheritant, uh, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled and unfading, kept in heaven for you who by God's power are being guarded through faith for salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Millions are searching for security through education, through pop, uh, popularity and, and accumulation of wealth. It's very unpopular to seek any kind of security or serenity through, through faith in Jesus Christ anymore. They're seeking things in earth's treasures that wear out, that rust and decay as the word tells us. But the love of God is salvation and the assurance of eternal life forever. That is the security that everyone needs. It's lasting and eternal. It's not going to change with the stock market. It's not going to change with the next uh, tragedy or shooting. That, that, that serenity that we receive from Christ, it will take us through every situation. Recently I saw a report where uh, a mother of a, of a child that was that was slain at a, a school bus and it was this one wasn't merely an accident a boy took a gun to school he was messing around with it didn't think it was loaded took his dad's gun and it pointed in the wrong direction towards his friend and his friend was killed and even though that boy in, stood trial the mother came up hugged him and forgave him and she said at first i was angry and i didn't want to forgive but but knew that, that that's what she needed and many times we, we look for vengeance. Right now there's everybody saying if we, could just, if we can just wipe out our enemies. But that's not going to bring peace or serenity or security. It also gives us power for service. In Acts 1.8 says, But ye, ye shall receive power after the, that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And ye, ye shall be my witnesses unto, uh, unto me both in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the earth. Many Christians are weak, faltering, lacking in courage and concern in the power of God uh, to work in their lives and others. And it's obvious. You know, I, I look at some of the things that are being said or uh, on interviews by Christians, and where are the people saying, if you would just call out to God and repent, then God is, is powerful enough to save you from the turmoil that you're going through. But the fear of persecution or the fear of slander holds many back. When Christians make a total commitment to God, they are cleansed and filled with the Holy Spirit. But many times we're, we're acting like it's a self-help program, that if people just think positively, that their life will change. And that's not going to change anything. Positive thinking, it's, it's the power of Christ and the Holy Spirit in our lives that makes the changes. Surrendered Christians are empowered by the Holy Spirit, enabling them to work as unto the Lord, to witness as unto the Lord, to win the lost to Jesus Christ, to to go out and change their community for the cause of Christ. We're mighty through salvation and have received the power for serenity, for security and service. And it alone can triumph over every obstacle in life and bring us eternal joy. 1 John 1.9 says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. 
Another thing that, that Christ brings to us is makes us mighty to deliver. He delivers us and, make, and gives us the power to bring deliverance to others. You have to look at the, the video again about the mouse. I mean, you think about that trap or a snare. I mean, why wouldn't the mouse see, hey, there's something kind of strange here going on? What, well, what was it? It was the smell of the cheese, right? All he probably saw was that cheese. Who cares? It's up there in a bunch of little spring things and all kinds of stuff. Who cares about that? And we can laugh and think about how silly that mouse is he didn't see. But in a small scale, it's very much what the enemy does with us. He doesn't, he doesn't put good things out there for us without a trap there for us. Many times, if we're going through life without the guidance of the Holy Spirit, we're running right into traps all the time. Because everything smells good, looks good, seems like it tastes good, that's good for me, I'll take that. Totally blind to the fact that it's sitting right on top of the very, the very thing that's going to trap us or kill us. There's many of us, I'm sure, that have lost loved ones who, who let that, that snare, that trap, get them because of something they thought would fix their problems was sitting on top and seemed so appealing. Psalms 91.1 says, He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. Psalms 91.2 says, I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. And 91.3, for it is he who delivers you from the snare of the trapper and from the deadly pestilence. The only person in the Bible who uh, was called a mighty hunter was Nimrod. He was a very evil man, though. And then there's another hunter in the Bible who was evil as well, this guy named Esau. His daddy Jacob loved him and the, the venison he offered and made him, but his life is forever tainted that he could not control his physical appetites. And he is a signpost now forever in the Bible that says you can lose your destiny if you don't control your physical, physical appetites. The greatest hunter in the Bible is, of course, God himself who came to seek and save that which was lost. So on this topic of deliverance, let's talk about the, the trapper or the fowler this morning. There's really two kinds of traps. Some uh, traps are just made to trap whatever they're going after, and some are made to maim or kill. Barty had offered me to use a live trap he had. He didn't know where he got it, but he said, I have one that is kind of a little compartment that the mouse goes up and it tilts, and then you've got the mouse alive. And I thought, you know, this may sound mean, but I thought, well, I'm going to take him out in the weeds, and he's going to come right back in the house. So I'm just going to finish him off. So I got the old school uh, little snap deals like we saw in there. But there really are those two types of traps. And many of us think because we're in something, that we know that God is probably not pleased with, or maybe we're trying to make ourselves think God is pleased with it. We think because nothing bad has happened yet, nothing catastrophic has happened yet, our lives seem to be better, that, that we're all good. And the truth is, is that, you know, some of those live traps, I've seen them. Some of them are a little glass or plexiglass looking thing. And I'm sure everything looks pretty normal until all of a sudden they realize, hey, I can't get out of here. I'm stuck. I'm trapped. That's the thing that I think the devil likes to use more than the ones that immediately kill us. Because we can do more destruction to those around us if we're in the middle of that trap and leading others astray. Hey, come on in. The cheese is fine. Now there's two of you trapped. And isn't there a little part of you that has pity for those animals that are trapped? 
I mean, don't you feel sorry for me? Okay, so I don't want to be too uh, graphic, but we, when we got the mouse, it was out in the garage, and I come out in the morning. I checked a couple days. I actually took a couple days to get one, and I come out, and I looked, and I turned the corner, and I had it around the, the side of our trash can in the garage, and there he was, and his eyes were bugged a little bit, you know, and it l- looked really sad. I mean, he was just staring at me, and I thought, well, I do feel a little bad for you, but not bad enough that I wanted you to keep living in my house. I guess it depends on your feelings for that animal before it was trapped. What about a skunk that keeps getting under your house? My brother, uh, when he first got married, had one, uh, some skunks under the house, and a friend of ours who's a, a little bit different uh, came over with 22 and I guess started shooting under the house, trying to shoot them. Um, you know, there's some ways to do it. There's ways you shouldn't. But <laughs> what about squirrels in your attic? I mean, you're trying to sleep at night and you got scurrying squirrels or they're nesting up there, or snakes in the yard. When Jen and I lived in Bella Vista, we had this 37-year-old uh, Cooper home there, and uh, there's a little rod spot in the soffit where apparently a uh, five- or six-foot-long king snake had got up there. And at night, you could hear him starting to slither through the, on top of the, yeah, everybody unnerved now. Would you feel bad about trap it, trapping that if it meant killing it? Probably not. You see, Satan doesn't have any uh, fuzzy feelings for us. That's the thing. A lot of people are trying to pin on God. Well, if God's so loving, then why does he let bad stuff happen? If God's so loving, then why would he send people to hell? And if God's so loving, this and that. And they totally leave Satan out of it, although that is as much about what the word is about as as it tells us about God. It gives us all the warnings about the the traps that Satan sets for us. And a lot of people who are, are out there don't debate with people who don't read God's word about God's word. I mean, don't get in debate if they're set on, well, I don't believe in God because a loving God wouldn't send you to hell. Well, they've not read the word apparently because they don't realize that it's not God sending us. We choose to be separated from him. And in the end, God's a just God. Uh, I've used this analogy before. It's like if you went into court and you're standing before a judge and a guy before you uh, was speeding a school zone. He says, okay, $50 fine, and he leaves. Or he says, hey, don't worry about it. Just don't do it next time. And then you come in. He goes, hey, a month in jail. You're like, what is up with that? Same spot, did the same thing. We, we want to put all these characteristics on God that, that can't work. They, th- we want to make our own knowledge and our own thinking our God. And that's a problem, not the truth of God's word. And he's a just God, and there has to be a consequence for sin. And that's why Jesus paid the, uh, the penalty on the cross, that if we accept him as our Savior, if we ask him to forgive our sins, if we, if we live Christ-like, then then we will not be separated from God eternally. Another thing about trapping, a snare is most effective in mating season. Why? Because that particular um, drive for them causes them to abandon normal watchfulness. It's just like, um, I don't know if I should tell this story on myself, but, uh, when I, but long before I met my wife, I was on a missions trip to Honduras. And I'm walking down one of the streets. I can't remember what the missionary sent me out for. I'm walking down the streets, and I'm a single guy. And all of a sudden, this school let out that was like the same age as me, about college age. And all, it was just like almost all girls. Well, I just turned, look, and what I didn't see is the people on the sidewalk in front of me were walking around a hole, manhole that was open. And I, just in those few seconds that my, my, my mind was over here, my leg, I did the splits, one leg down the hole and one out. Not only was it hurt, but I was wearing light-colored khaki pants, so, you know, soot on one side and everything. I paid for that, 
you know, God was saying, keep your mind on what you're here for. Um, but that's exactly the best time for the enemy to get us. It's because we, we are all lonely. You know, Paul says, if you, can, if you can be righteous and you can not be married, and that's great. But for most of us, uh, rather than burning in lust, it's better for you to be married. And that is the best best time for the enemy to catch us is when we are lonely and we're trying to fill the void that we feel for God we try to fill it with another relationship you know the trapper he he also does it in the winter time when hunger and and other things will will drive them to make mistakes or not be watchful uh pastor Jonathan Watson at Bella Vista Assembly I mentioned this before he he gave this great uh um what do you call it acronym for for when you're uh, feeling tempted, he said, halt. You ask yourself uh, several questions, and it, and it spells out halt. Are you hungry? Are you angry? Are you lonely? Are you tired? He said, many times we get ourselves in a situation because we have a natural body. God's told us, you know, we need to nourish that body. We need to take care of it. We need to get rest. We need to do these things. And we push ourselves too far on any one of those topics. And the next thing you know, uh, temptation comes up and we, we make a mistake. You know, mine has been food many times in my life and comfort eating. And I have to tell myself, you know, if you push yourself and then you get tired and you get um, to where you can't sleep and you're, you're not eating right, then you're going to overeat and you're going to hurt your body. Another thing that, that the trapper used is stealth. It's like Duck Dynasty. You know, those guys, the all the pictures of them are with the camouflage on their face, you know, and all the camouflage on them. Then they get in a duck blind too. You know, all for that little bird to not see them, right? Can you imagine the strategy and what the devil does to be able to blind us? As intelligent as God has made us, as, as wise as he's given uh, the ability for men to be wise, he still entraps us. Some of the most of people that are m- most led astray are college professors. One of the big battlefronts for the church today is college professors who are being planted in colleges, and this isn't conspiracy theory, being planted there for a purpose, and that is to diminish what they would call the archaic views of Christianity. Because they know if they can start uh, debating that in the colleges while students are still being shaped, that they can send them out in the world opposing Christianity. Proverbs 1.17 says, Indeed, it is useless to spread the net in the eyes of any bird. This is the first proverb in the book of Proverbs. As such, it ought to give us an extra pause to consider and meditate on it. Because a, a proverb is a truth that is conveyed in a word picture that is handed down from generation to generation. This was handed down from generation to generation to give them the idea that it is useless to spread the net in the eyes of any bird. Satan is not going to set the trap while you're watching and you've got your right mind. He's going to wait till you're distracted. He's going to wait till something else is going on in your life. Or that you have a big need that you're just so focused on you can't think about God. And you're going to walk right into it. I don't know if any of you ever used to watch um, uh, Bear Grylls, uh, Man vs. Nature, I think it was called. My boys love that show. But, you know, he'd go out and set traps for his food, you know, rabbits or different things. And he would put brush around it and, and put a little snare and he'd do it on the normal trail where that rabbit was going back and forth. He'd look for where they're already going. He wouldn't go over and just say, hey, you know, I'll put some, some food over here and, and get them to go off path. He's like, no, I'm going to catch them when they're just distracted doing the normal thing. They've been passing fine back and forth. 
And that's, that's what the enemy used us. Like I said, so many times you'll think, well, nothing's gone wrong in my life, so God must not be upset with me. A lot of people you know, use that uh, to, to their benefit and say, well, if God really um, was upset with the way I'm living, then he would already punish me. Well, Satan is doing his work, too, to make sure that you don't see anything coming. Some say a bird won't land in a visible trap, but that's simply not true. All you have to do is bait the trap with something they are crazy about or put it in a place they will likely be distracted by normal activities. The uh, snake that we had living in our attic, the, reason, the way we first discovered it is we went out in our carport. It had a little covered carport, part of the main roof of the house, and we had a Japanese, real pretty Japanese maple right next to that that came up to the roof, and then we had a little birdhouse on the fence right in front of that Japanese maple. Jen goes out to get in her side of the van and starts screaming, and there's that five or six foot long king snake curled up in that tree with his face head right down by that mouse or that bird feeder. He was waiting. He knew, hey, they're going to come up wanting some food. They're going to come up doing their normal thing, and I'm going to be ready and waiting. You know, I think that's why sometimes Satan uh, is successful in attacking churches, because we get so used to just coming in, sitting down, doing the same thing. We don't really let the word impact us and change our direction. We just come in and say, hey, I'm doing what I'm supposed to do because I'm sitting in a seat and I'm here and I'm present. But the great uh, commandment about going out and make disciples, well, that's for somebody else. And our idle hands and our idle minds says too, too much at ease. And next thing you know, Satan is getting us to gossip or tear down each other or, or live in fear about what's going on in the world and not focus on winning the lost. It seems that a lot of people are not wise when it comes, uh, comes to those traps. In other words, even if you were to show some people the danger of what they're doing, they still not receive instruction from it. That's one of the difficulties of pastoring. Is It's real easy to show a funny video and say things that tickle everybody's ears, like God wants to take care of all your problems and those type of things. But if you have to address sin in somebody's life or, or, or bad behavior in the church, you'll find out very click quickly whether they're willing to to hear about those traps. Some don't want to hear that. Some want to just hear, hey, I'm good, everything's good, uh, just be my friend and tell me what I want to hear. And some may say, if I thought it was a trap, I wouldn't go there. If I thought it w- was wrong, I wouldn't do it. And Satan has worked overtime to see it doesn't look like a trap or to talk, to pe- talk people into thinking wrong is right. Even the word says, in the end times, they will call evil good and good evil. And don't you think that's what's happening right now? Everything we turn around. I mean, you know, there, there's reports now that even some of the government, it's ISIS isn't their big concern anymore. They, they are focusing on, on trivial issues while Christians are being beheaded. When Eve saw the fruit in the garden, she saw, it says that it was good for food and a delight to the eye. And it could make her a lot smarter And she was hooked. The fowler always emphasizes what appeals to us. And this speaks how some animals are paralyzed by fear when when a lion roars. Most of the time he jumps out of the bushes while you're eating lunch. And who expects the attack at lunchtime? By the help and work of the Holy Spirit, though, God gives us strength to turn from that snare, to turn from that that, uh, hunter, and by the love of God, the fowler wants to kill, but Jesus wants to save. And the thief, it says, comes to kill, steal, and destroy. But I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. 
And Jesus is a better hunter than the devil. He has already won the, won the battle or won the war. The fowler puts his traps in your path, but God puts his word in your path to be able to recognize them before you get there. The other, the other thing we receive that we are mighty because of the power of Christ is mighty to heal and be healed. Just like every Sunday when we have people come up and they're, uh, they can come up and pr- be prayed for healing, we've seen people healed, we've seen prayers answered, and we know there's nothing else in this world uh, that can just simply be a matter of words spoken and someone healed. Try going to your doctor next time and say, Doctor, if you just say that I'm healed, then I wouldn't have to. Can you just charge me a little less and just say I'm healed? We'll be done with this. Without the power of God, that's not going to do anything. People get sick all the time, and if God can heal people through our prayers, that's important to know that we, we, we can not only try, but we can believe and have faith that we'll be healed. I also don't agree with those that will say, um, every time you pray for somebody, they're going to be healed. You know, I'm sure Job was praying quite a few times while he was going through and scraping boils on his arms. But he didn't know, he couldn't know what the trial was all about. All he knew is that God's word is said to remain faithful to him and that he would receive his reward. I want to read something to you guys, uh, a quote that I found that has to do with this issue on healing. And I want to get your thought on it here or have you at least think it through. This, this is a quote I just ran across. In the thousands of years of history covered by the Bible, we find just four short periods in which miracles were widely performed Um, the period of the Exodus, the time of the prophets Elijah and Elisha, and the ministry of Jesus, and the time of the apostles. While miracles occurred throughout the Bible, it was only during these four periods that miracles were common. The time of the apostles ended with the writing of Revelation and the death of John. That means that now, once again, miracles are rare. Any ministry which claims to be led by a new breed of apostle or claims to 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 possess the ability to heal is deceiving people. So what do you think about that? What do you think that author, do you, what do you think about what that author wrote? Is, the, the, is the, the reasoning that you don't see it prevalent happening all the time mean that it no longer exists and anyone that claims that they can bring healing is a false prophet? Well, to better understand this issue of healing, let's explore a few more questions and, and Bible passages that deal with the issue. Is sickness a part of God's will? That's one thing you have to answer that question first. Is sickness a part of God's will? From reading the word of God, the general consensus is that suffering is caused by sin both in man and the world. Uh, You know, natural disasters, consequences of choices, and by Satan. Job's sickness and everything was brought on by Satan wanting to, to have his rounds with him. And God saying, okay, but anything but his life. It was debatable, though, that, that God, outside of discipline based on our disobedience to him caused suffering personally based on what my study of god's word i would say sickness is not a part of god's plan for the world and it came about because of the fall of man and sin but god can use sickness to do great things and bring people to him i wouldn't for one second say that he likes it and encourages it though and that's where, that's where I take great issue when people say, well, if God's such a loving God, then why would these babies across the world be, be dying? And why wouldn't they have a chance at life? 
I don't know. I don't have answers for everything. But I know that God says that it wasn't his intention. I know that his word shows that it was never his intention for the world to be that way. It was Satan and sin entering the world that, that caused that. Well, how does God want us to deal with sickness? Isaiah 53, 5 says, But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds we are healed. It's real easy to be desensitized to that. We've, we've lived in a, in a Christian nation for long enough and heard those words that, that even some that are unbelievers would say, yeah, yeah, well, that was, that's old stuff. That, that doesn't apply today. But if you were the one standing there watching Jesus being whipped and beaten, knowing that he was blameless and he was doing it for our healing and for our, our salvation, it would be a different story. Many times we're so disconnected from the truth and the brutality of what Christ went through for our healing that, that that's why we don't have any power in our prayer when we pray for people who are healed, or to be healed. This passage refers to Jesus' death on the cross, that, that it was part of the plan was to bring healing. This right here shows us that God never wanted us to be sick. He never wanted that for this world. And then if we read James 5, uh, chapter 5, verses 14 and 15, is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anoint him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of the faith will save the one who is sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sin, he will be forgiven. And you notice something there about it? It wasn't just about being healed. It's always about the forgiveness of sin. And this is what clues me into the fact that sometimes when I'm praying for people that I know are terminally ill, that I'm praying, God, I know you're bringing healing we're praying and hoping in our, in, in our um, temporal minds that it's here because we love this person. Your will be done, though, because some, it's God's will that they, be, they, they go on. If we could totally see what it was like in heaven and know what it was like to be there, I'm sure that would change our prayers for some that are sick sometimes. It's just hard for us because we feel like we have lost them. But for the believer, we've not lost them. They've just gone on for their reward early. Also, does it mean that Christians shouldn't go to the doctor because we have healing? No, um, there are many verses that speak of using medical treatments such as applying bandages in Isaiah 1.6 or oil in James 5.14, oil and wine in Luke 10.34, um, leaves in Ezekiel 47.12, and drinking some wine in 1 Timothy 5.23. There's debate on whether that was alcoholic or not. I'll, uh, I'll just tell you that um, there's some scriptures that, that speak specifically about don't even look on uh, the drink what moves, referring to alcoholic beverages. But um, there's other scriptures. Also, Luke, the author of Acts and the Gospel of Luke, is referred to by Paul as uh, the beloved physician. Um, there's also salves, particularly the balm of Gilead in Jeremiah 8.22. You know, my wife loves some of these things. She hates it when I pick on her, but she loves um, apple cider vinegar is the cure-all. That stuff tastes nasty, though. And she, she, the kids, uh, they'll drink it. I mean, she's got her own little cult going on here. I mean, they could, she could get them to drink anything, take anything. I mean, these kids will eat vegetables without dipping it in anything. I don't understand that at all. But <laughs> anyway, um, one night I was really sick, and she thought she'd be clever and think she could mask it and put it in, I don't know, some kind of lemon tea something, put it in there. I took one swig, and I was like, no, I'm not <laughs> drinking that. 
But Scripture doesn't tell us we're not supposed to go to doctors. There are, some, uh, there are some faiths out there that try to take Scripture and tell people you shouldn't go to the doctor. Um, I don't think they have any basis to, to, to teach that on what I see from Scripture. Um, you know, we can't even go as far as say that God doesn't care. I mean, God truly cares about um, our, our well-being. Deuteronomy 33.12 says, uh, Benjamin, he said, The beloved of the Lord dwells in safety. The high God surrounds him all day long, and he dwells between his shoulders. We get this picture in many. There's several other scriptures, and I'm, I'm going to be short on time to go through all of them. But there's so many scriptures that point to that God looks at us like his children, and he wants to surround us and keep us safe. He wants us to be healed. Uh, but because of, of sin in the world, it's brought the sickness and death. I want to just uh, close in, in saying this, that I, I can't even imagine to know what goes through everyone's mind when you're seeing the news reports, when, when you're dealing with sickness or death in your own family. But as funny as it was about that video of the little mouse, many times as Christians we get in that trap and we literally are, are, are singing that song ourselves. This is the end. This is the end, my friend. You know, sometimes as Christians, we walk around all down like, oh, I've got all these problems. I've got all these struggles. I've got all this strife. But we know from his word that we have, that we have the power, that we, he is mighty to save. He is mighty to deliver. He is mighty to heal. Um, just this week, and, and uh, Isaac will be here in second service, but some of you know Isaac. Isaac was telling me, is like, God totally took my desire away from drugs. Now, those are awesome testimonies when you know someone, this is a, a three-week-long believer that has, didn't have the history in church and, and, and doesn't have all the religi religious uh, terminology that we use. And he just knows, like the blind man, like the, the, those in the Bible that were able to just get him walk, all they know is, I was this way. I had a need. I met Jesus, and I am changed. But friends, where, where is your might today? Is it in your own efforts or is it in Jesus Christ and is the power of the Holy Spirit? Let's pray. Jesus, I just come to you today, Lord, asking that uh, for a moment, Lord, you'd help us to still our hearts before you. That we'd ask ourselves, Lord, if we've allowed ourselves to be like that mouse caught in a trap, Lord, just laying there waiting to die. Lord God, have we truly um, let your word saturate us and, and believe that, that you have... Uh, you have given us might. You are mighty to save us, to deliver us, to heal us, Lord, and that you've given us the ability to go out and spread the gospel and see the same thing happen in others' lives. Lord, that we are victorious through you. That we don't have to uh, fear uh, the enemy, the hunter, Lord, that we know that, God, you are our protector, our deliverer. And as we go out of this place today, God, I just pray in these next few moments that we would just settle our hearts that, that, Lord, we would begin to live mightily through your word. With every head bowed and eye closed, if you're here this morning and you say, Pastor CJ, I, I get what you're saying, but I, I don't really have a relationship with God. I, I may sometimes talk to him, but I, I don't really know that he's... Uh, ruling over my life. I'm just doing my own thing. If you're here this morning and you want him to be Lord of your life, just raise your hand. I want to pray for you. Amen. For the believers that are here this morning, just take a few minutes here and just ask the Lord to help you to, 
to really stand on his promise in the word and, and live mightily. That you would be used to, to heal, to bring healing to the sick, to, to be able to pray that others be saved and, and be delivered. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Amen.